0: Hey everyone, and thanks for tuning in to this week's message. My name's Aaron, and I'm on the staff team here at Eastlake. Everything we do around here depends on the generous donations of our local and online community. People just like you, who tune into these messages and see great benefit from living that idea that life is a gift and love is the point. So if you love what Eastlake is up to, we'd encourage you to contribute by going to eastlakecc.com. With that, let's jump into this week's message. Today, we hear from Britt Barron as she begins our new series, A Conversation About Race. Please check the description for links to our quarterly Spotify playlist and guided meditation.
1: Hello Eastlake, Uh, it's great to be with you all again, Uh, if you don't know my name is Britt Barron, And I've had the pleasure of um, being a part, a virtual part of your community for a while and I'm so excited to be back and um, to be sharing a few weeks with you all as we dive into a topic that is very near and dear to my heart. So uh, for the next few weeks, uh, we're going to be having a conversation about race, race in America. And so if you have been listening or watching to anything for the past few years, this has been a topic that I think has been more prevalent than any other time in my lifetime. You have people on the spectrum all the way from being engaged to this topic to all of a sudden, June and summer of 2020, it really hit the spotlight. And we were thrust into a conversation that maybe some of us weren't equipped to have or didn't understand how much nuance and history is involved in it. So. Uh, I'm excited for the next few weeks to be able to uh, walk us through this and give us some context and uh, hopefully create some language and helping to understand what we mean when we talk about race, racism, privilege, white supremacy, and all of these things. So uh, to start, one of the things I love to, to have folks do, so if you are At home, uh, wherever you're watching this, if you would close your eyes. If you are watching this or listening to this while driving, keep those eyes open. Um, But I want you to just imagine yourself by a river. So take a few deep breaths and imagine yourself by the most beautiful river you've ever seen. The water is rushing over the rocks, the wind is blowing in the trees, maybe you have a picnic, you've got your favorite wine, whatever you have. Now, when you imagine that as you're sitting there, you look into the river and you see that the river is filled with trash. There's the Starbucks cups and plastic bags and cartons and all this trash you can imagine. And so now you have a choice. You can jump into the river, you can try to grab out as much trash as you can, only to see that more is coming downstream. Or you can take a walk upstream and try to figure out how that trash is getting into the river in the first place. That's what we're going to do in these next few weeks. When you talk about Race in America, you cannot talk about the summer of 2020 without understanding the history and the context. You can't jump right in that river. We're going to step out, we're going to take a step back, we're going to walk upstream, and we're going to take a look at sort of how we got here. Historical context is everything when we talk about race, because that's what we're experiencing. So if we were all together in a big room, um, one thing I like to have folks do is put an entire timeline of history on the wall, starting in 1492 all the way to 2022. Now the reason I start in 1492 is obviously that is not the history of the first people who were here um, and cultures that were here and, and folks that were making Omia, but that is the beginning of European colonization of this country, and that is what created some of the structures and systems that we have now that we feel familiar with, right? So in 1492 was the beginning of America as we are currently experiencing it. So you have from 1492 all the way to 2022 till now. If you put a timeline on your wall, and I would encourage you um, later, if you want to do some of your own context and history and research, just look up things that happen. So if I was to cut the timeline in half and I'd say everything uh, above the line, let's put acts of resistance, everything below the line, let's put acts of racism, right? And so you research and you research and you research and you you see um, Elizabeth Key sues for her freedom and she wins as an act of resistance. You see uh, the Ku Klux Klan is formed, that's an act of racism. You see uh, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee uh, is formed and they do sit-ins and they do all these protests. And then you see um, school segregation is is legalized and you see Jim Crow laws and you see, um, you know, civil rights activists. And then you see this and then you see the election of Barack Obama and then you have the murder of George Floyd. And so... You can go all along, throughout the entire history, and you can learn a lot about the acts of resistance and about the acts of racism that have happened in this country. But one thing I think that's interesting that you'll find is when we go through all that history, fewer and fewer and fewer of the things that you'll find come down to one person and their interaction with one other person. There seem to be some larger things at work. So one thing that's hard when we have this conversation, so let's take the murder of George Floyd. Something happens, violence, ignorance, and hate. Violence, ignorance, and hate. That's what we see. By the time we experience something in the media or all these things, it's at the level of, Violence, ignorance, and hate. We're, we're seeing that happen. But the violence, ignorance, and hate that we see by the time a story or, or a situation of racism gets to us is the very tip of a much larger, larger iceberg. We all know about icebergs. Most of them is underwater. By the time we see a little bit, your boat's probably already hit it. That's what got the Titanic. Um, and that's, I'm sure, a metaphor in here somewhere. So let's talk a little bit about that iceberg. Because I think when we, when we talk about racism and we boil it down to this ignorance, violence, and hate, a lot of us feel like, well, I'm personally not interacting or promoting or participating in the violence, ignorance, and hate. So am I racist? Am I not racist? Or how do I engage in this conversation? Right? So let's talk about what's holding up the violence, ignorance, and hate that we see at the top of our iceberg, okay? So here's an iceberg, here's the water, you got violence and ignorance, hate. At the very bottom of the iceberg, we have what we'll call racist power, okay? Racist power. Right on top of that, we have what we're going to call racist policy. On top of that is racist ideas. And then we hit the waterline and we see violence, ignorance, and hate. So let me break this down. Let me use... Um, one of the easiest examples we have of how this plays out, let's use slavery. So you have power structure, you have a a racist power structure that wants to keep its power. And so to keep its power, it needs to enact policies, right? So the power says we're going to be in charge, we're we're exclusive, we're going to have only we are allowed to be uh, human in this way. Okay, well, we need policies. Um, to, to stand on top of that. So um, the 3 compromise, we need uh, policies about land ownership, uh, about uh, who owns people, about what uh, enslaved folks are allowed to read, do, how it's illegal to um, learn how to read, it's illegal. All these things, this power has to be held up by policies. But in order for most people to accept and engage with these policies, they need to have racist ideas, right? So to just come out and say, hey, these Black people are, are less than human, and, um, and are gonna, we're gonna enslave them, and that's a law, right? Well, I think there would be a lot of resistance at law if it wasn't held up by sort of racist ideas. Um, their brains are smaller, uh, they're savages, There are all these things. You have to create a narrative, right? We know this about a lot of things. You create a narrative, and then anything after that narrative starts to make a lot of sense. So you have these racist ideas. Well, so you have the power saying, you know, we need to keep this exclusive. We need to enslave these people so let's make some policy so it's actually legal to do this it's illegal to um aid them then you have these ideas that well we're doing this because um their brains are smaller they're savages and they this is how it's supposed to be this is the order of things. this is how it is in the bible whatever right and then you see what we have all experienced in our narrative our visual narrative of of slavery right you see people being whipped you see all of these things. You see the violence, the ignorance, and the hate, and how we thought about people. Well, that's held up by that power, policy, and ideas.
0: Hey, everyone. It's Kristen. Just wanted to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in. I hope that you're finding these messages helpful for you in your everyday life. Um, That's what we're trying to do here is gather around the idea that life is a gift and love is the point and let's give ourselves ways to move forward in that in our own everyday world. Um, So I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for being a part of this community. To those of you who have participated and given financially, we want to say thank you to you everything that we do here happens because people make contributions. People say I value this place. I want it to exist for me and for other people and so I'm going to support it. And so we just want to say how grateful we are um, that you do that. And for those of you who maybe haven't had a chance to contribute yet, um, we would ask you to consider maybe doing so. If you find this place beneficial, if you find these messages helpful for you, then um, consider joining us in that way. You can go to eastlakecc.com to make a contribution um, and we just always are thankful for the people who want this place to exist. So thanks again for tuning in. Let's get back to the message. Let's take something like
1: um, the murder of George Floyd, something more recent, right? And as I'm talking, hopefully you can start to fill in this blanks of understanding, okay, what was the power system that we experienced? And then you have these policies, right? These policies about police officers or what they're allowed to do or not do, but then you have these racist ideas. The racist ideas that black men are scary and they are so powerful and they're physically stronger than everybody and and they're up to no good and all these, and that's what fuels the ignorance, violence, and hate that we see. So, listen, regardless of whether or not you are actively participating in that violence, ignorance, and hate, which I would assume most of you listening to this are not, we must also acknowledge, though, that that power, policy, and ideas have entered our brain. Uh, one of my favorite sociologists says it like this, when you are uh, born in America, or socialized in America, or you, are, you live in this culture, you are put on a moving sidewalk of racism. Meaning, if you want to be anti-racist, because it's not enough to be not racist, because there is actually no neutral, and we'll talk about that more, but that you have to be actively moving the other way, the opposite way of that moving sidewalk. Because what we're up against is not just, as individuals, can we not be ignorant, violent, and hateful? No, that's not what we're actually up against. Most of us are not that. But the reason we have that is because we exist in this larger iceberg structurally, systemically. Because when you look back at so many of the acts of racism or the acts of resistance that we would look at from 1492 to 2022 on our our big, long timeline, so many of them would come down to policy, laws, right? When we talk about uh, the civil rights movement and the sit-ins. Those were amazing, brave people, but what were they resisting? They were resisting policy, policy that came with idea, right? When we have an extreme act of racism, we have redlining, we have all these things, we have Japanese internment camps, those are policies, policies that are built on ideas that then humans act out on those ideas. And so what we're after is not just resisting the violence. Okay, well, I'm not being violent against people. No, we have to do the work of finding all the ways in which this pyramid, this iceberg, has infiltrated our own system, our own ideals, our own ways of being. Every single person, if you have spent any amount of time in this country, has been impacted by these structures. They are foundational to a lot of what we have experienced what this country has experienced starting in 1492. That is a lot of time. So I want us to, even as we begin this conversation, which we're going to move into a conversation about power and privilege, and then a conversation about resistance and and our own anti-racism. But first, I want us to get familiar with this reality that there is no neutral. That we're not, okay, well, maybe I'm only racist if I participate in the violence. I'm only anti-racist if I don't participate in the violence. That is the lowest, that is the lowest level. what we see. The thing holding it together is what is impacting most of us. And so think about this. That's what I always think about. Picture uh, the civil rights movement. Let's talk about the, the time of Martin Luther King Jr. And uh, there was one march in Birmingham, Alabama. And what was different about this march is that it was televised. And so uh, they say that this galvanized a lot of folks, a lot of white folks in particular, who were sitting on the sidelines because they were able to visually see what happened. Right? And this was a particular march where children were involved, and the children were being sprayed with fire hoses. And it was extremely graphic, and this was all televised. And so to boil the question down to, all right, so the folks sitting watching in their living rooms, were they racist? Were they not racist? Well, I think that's a bad question, but I think it's a question a lot of us have been asking, particularly if you are white and you have found yourself in the last few years, The question of, am I racist or am I not racist? And I don't know if that is the question we need to be asking. I think the question we are asking is, am I actively moving in the opposite way of the moving sidewalk that I have been put on? And that's what's tricky and can get hard about this conversation. I want to acknowledge that. If you've never had this conversation, especially if you're white and you've never had this conversation. It can be scary to realize that, oh, my gosh, maybe I have consumed racist ideas. Maybe I've participated in racist policies and contributed to racist power, even though I don't find myself at the very top of the iceberg. All of those things have impacted my life. And the the scary fear of, of being labeled, let's take the label of racist, not racist. Let's just take that off the table for a while, right now because I want to have a conversation about how have we been impacted by these systems that we exist in. We'll get to the anti-racism soon, right? We're going to end there. But for now, maybe to ease some of the anxiety, we're talking about systems. We're talking about big things here at play that have impacted all of us. So let's take the turns and the labels and maybe some of that fear off the table and allow ourselves to be able to fully dive into a conversation about what these systems are, how they have impacted us, what it means to have power and privilege, how we can use it, and then we'll get to our own anti-racism identity. So, if you want, between now and our next conversation, I would love it if you um, just dove into a couple what you would consider racist events throughout literally history, any time in history, this year, last year, 2020, 1481, 1792, whatever it is, and see if you can identify that iceberg, right? See if you can identify what was the racist power at work? What were the policies that made this possible? What were the ideas that needed to be spread so that the policies could be upheld? And how did that contribute to the ignorance, violence, and hate of whatever it is that you're looking at? I think that might help us along our journey if we start by looking at this as a structure, as a system. And then we find our own self in that structure and that system. But let's not start with the, oh, am I racist or not? Let's start with understanding what that racism looks like in our context. So if you can, take some time, find a few moments in history, and just try to identify those things. Get your brain thinking in this structural way of, it's not just this event and this one thing, and these bad people showed up out of nowhere. No, they've been supported by a very large structure of racism. So, do that. I am excited to go on this journey with you. I hope that we can build on this historical context the next time um, we talk let's dive into a little bit of power and privilege Um, and don't worry we are going to arrive at a place about what it means for us but let's start at what it means just to live in this culture in this country that is supported by this iceberg okay well i'm excited to continue this conversation thank you for diving in this with me. I know sometimes the topic of race uh, causes different feelings um, among different folks. And so whatever you're feeling, thank you for continuing to come to the table of this conversation. And I hope we can all move forward uh, together because uh, we certainly have a lot to unpack.
0: Thank you for joining us. To make a donation, head to eastlakecc.com slash donate.